Hello and welcome to Reliance's podcast. We hope that the message encourages your heart today. If you'd like to join us in person, we meet weekly on Sunday mornings at 8, 9.30, or 11 o'clock a.m. And if you want to find out more about Reliance, come check us out online. All right, you talkers out there, you Easter talk. I knew you guys could talk to one another. Amen. Hey, when I, was, when, when I was growing up in church, my dad was a pastor, and he would always do the thing where he would say he is risen, and they would say he has risen indeed. So we're going to try that in here. He has risen. He has risen indeed. Let's try it on this side now. He has risen. He has risen indeed. Yes, he has. Amen. That's why we're here. Amen. This is why we're here. We're here to declare and decree he has risen. I love Easter Sunday. Uh, Man, just a shout out. We've had uh, 8 o'clock service, 9.30 service, just roaring with the love of the Lord. And I know you 11 o'clockers will not be outdone. Amen. You will not be outdone. And so, man, I've always, uh, uh, we're, we're here for one reason. I want you to hear. It, it's to celebrate the Lord. It's to declare his resurrection. That's it. And I've always been fascinated on Easter where we've, you know, you meet with churches or you, you get together. And it's kind of like sometimes we feel like we've got to dress up Easter. You guys know what I'm talking about. Like we've got to do giveaways and like try to entice people to come to church on Easter. And so Christmas and Easter, right? Christmas and Easter have been those times where like, hey, let's do giveaways. Let's try to bring people in. If you come, you get a, a new iPad or you get some like shiny gift if you come. I'm just going to tell you, we're not enticing you with anything today but the love of Christ. Amen. You, you don't need a shiny iPad when you have a resurrected king. So I'm, I'm just throwing this out to you. I just, I want you to hear this because I think we've gotten some wonky stuff in our Christian faith that somehow we've got to entice people that maybe there's something better than the resurrection. There's not. There's not. I'm just saying there, there, there is a reality that, that at the end of the day you need to leave with and that is this. The offer of Jesus is for your heart today. That the offer, that he is the hope, Lord, that he was crucified. I want you to hear that. He was crucified. He was buried. That's important. We're going to talk about that. He was buried. And on the third day, he rose from the grave. And now he is champion over life and death. Listen, he is rescuer of rescuers. He is healer of healers. And he is Lord over all. And he wants your heart today. And how many guys know that when Jesus wants something, he gets it? Oh, if you're like, he ain't getting this heart. Oh, he's getting it. He's getting it. I'm just telling you, there's a temptation. I'm telling you, I met with pastors across the city. There's this temptation in our hearts that anytime we have these special moments, again, Easter, Christmas, it's almost like how do we, you know, you sit around, how do you captivate the hearts of the audience? How do you, how do you put your best foot forward, right? Everybody's doing that on, on Easter. And so you talk about like, what do we got to do? And here's what we're trying to say. What you're trying to do is you're trying to slather the gospel with things that make it like more appealing. Like, right? So people sit around like, how do we take what's really good, which is the gospel, and how do we like make it more appealing? And I'm just telling you, there's nothing more appealing than knowing that a dead man named Jesus Christ rose from the grave. Like, I don't know how to dress that up any better. Amen? I don't know how you can like dress it up better. Hey, let's make that more uh, appealing. A dead man rose from the grave and is alive today. And he is king of kings and lord of lords. I'm just telling you right now, if right there you're like, yeah, I'm not sure, I think we need to dress that up a little bit. You got bigger problems than just today. Amen? 
we got to work on some things in our heart. And so I can give you a promise today. I can give you one assurance. And this promise is that on this Resurrection Sunday, he wants you. On this Resurrection Sunday, he's not waiting for you tomorrow, although he'll be there. Or a week from now, although he'll be there, he's saying today is the day of the Lord's favor. Today is the day of the Lord's salvation. And I'm just believing strongly in my heart that today somebody needs to know they can live above and beyond where you feel like you're at right now. And that's coming in through the power of Jesus Christ. You cannot separate, you cannot separate Jesus from life. You can't do it. It's who he is. It's what he does. It's what he carries. Like you can't separate. You'll see this all through the scriptures. In John 1, he says these words, in the beginning uh, was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. In him was what? Life, it's what he does. If, if we're living outside of him, we're not really living life. We're living a fake version of life that the enemy wants to blind you to. Jesus is the one who carries real life. It's why you know if you're in this place and you know Christ, you stepped out of what you thought was life. You stepped into him and all of a sudden you felt real life. You're gonna experience that today. You're gonna hear testimonies of that today. I believe that Jesus has life for somebody in the house today. Um, you want to know a theme through, throughout all of the gospel message about Jesus that follows him everywhere he goes, throughout the gospels, throughout the epistles, throughout the book of Acts, there's a theme that follows Jesus, and it's the word life. He's the way, the truth, and the life. He's the resurrection and the He's life in abundance. He's the, uh, Acts three fifteen. I love this. He's called the author of Life. Listen, Jesus is life. If the enemy is to kill, steal, and destroy, right? That's what's said about the enemy. He comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Jesus is come to renew, redeem, and restore. He's everything opposite of the enemy. He has come to give you life today. And so if there were three things, three things on this Easter Sunday that I would convey to your heart today, it would be number one, that Jesus is alive. Oh, we're gonna do some work on this. Jesus is alive. Somebody say he's alive. I've lost my voice. It's gone. We're, we're going that direction, all right? He is alive. He's alive. And I wanna convince you that this is important for your foundation because if we don't believe this, we got nothing. He's alive. Number two, if he's alive, I want you to know that he came to set you free. He's not just alive so that we can sit here and be like, oh, we're still in captivity. If he's alive, you're free. Somebody say, I'm free. And if you're free, the third thing is you've got a testimony and it matters. So he came, he is alive, he came to free you and he came to give you a testimony and your testimony matters. Let's start with that first one. The most important thing that you can leave here today with is knowing this, that Jesus is alive. One of my favorite accounts as you're reading through the gospels of the, the tomb experience is in Luke chapter 24. The women run down there and uh, there's just a madness scene, right? The tomb, the tomb stone's been rolled away and they've got the angelic encounters and, and all of a sudden they're just, they're blind by that light and they're looking for the Lord. And this is what the angel says in Luke 24's account. He says, why do you look for the what? Living among the dead. And if I was them, them, those people in that time, I'd be like, because dead people are put in tombs. Right? Like they're down at a tomb looking for somebody who's dead. I want you to know that Jesus turns dead places into living places. This is what he'll do. This is resurrection power. This is what he does. He takes dead places. We sing about it all the time. He takes dead places and he turns them into living places. So the angel says, why do you look for the living among the dead? He's making a decree. He's making a cry. He's telling them he is alive. And this is what you're going to see. If the early church had a message that they proclaimed more than any other, 
If the early church had a message that they heralded more than any other, it would be this reality in the book of Acts and in the epistles, the letters of all the apostles. They would declare this word, Jesus is alive. If there was anything else they're trying to get you to understand, get you convinced about, it's that Jesus is alive. Because if you believe that Jesus is alive, he reshapes everything. Amen? I'm going to tell you what I mean by that. Acts chapter 2, verse 23. This Jesus delivered up, first sermon roaring out of Peter. This Jesus delivered up according to the definite, definite plan and foreknowledge of God. You crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. But God, somebody say, but God. God raised him up, loosening the pangs of death because, it's my favorite, it was not possible for him to be held by it. It was not possible for Jesus to be held by it. So, so they're de- 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 making a declaration that Jesus is alive. Peter's going to go on. Acts chapter 2, verse 32. This Jesus, God raised him up, and we are all what? Somebody say witnesses. Witnesses to this. Acts three fifteen. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. To this we are all witnesses. Listen to what he said. They just healed a lame man. They're standing on a trial. He's declaring this Jesus is author of life. You killed him. God raised him up. Now look what happens. And his name, by faith in his name, he has made this man strong, a lame man who's now walking, whom you see and you know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given the man this perfect health in the presence you all can see. I want you to see this. The resurrection of Jesus affects us. The resurrection of Jesus changes things if you believe that he's been raised from the dead. Now, they preached this message so fervently that all 10 that were, that were left outside of John who got exiled, they tried to kill him, then he got exiled. The other 10 and many more believers would die for this message of faith that was burning in their heart. They were not worried about their life because they had met the resurrected king. Amen. Paul's going to roar on this too. 1 Corinthians 15, 3. Paul's going to say, I delivered for you as of first importance. Somebody say first importance. When you see first importance, he's saying, this is the main thing. Before you get into everything else, this is what we got to buy into and believe. As of first importance, what I also received, that Christ died for our sins. Yes and amen. He died. He didn't kind of die. He didn't a little bit die. He didn't maybe he was dead. He died. This part's important, that he was buried. They saw him go into a tomb. It wasn't some conspiracy. Well, maybe they didn't really put him in there. They watched with their eyes a dead body of Jesus Christ get placed into a tomb. He's declaring why we're believers today. Amen? And then he says these words. And that he was raised on the third day according, in accordance with the scriptures. It was prophesied that this would be the Messiah. Now listen, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve, then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive. So there are men and women running around testifying, we've seen him, he's alive. And then he says, though some have fallen asleep, Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared to me. Now let me tell you what he's going to rage on for the rest of that, and I say rage like in a powerful way. He's going to say if there was no death, then there was no resurrection. If there was no resurrection, then our hope and our faith is useless. 
Listen, if we don't buy into that Jesus is alive, then our faith and our hope is useless. Amen. So, so, so why is this important? You're like, okay, yeah, I've heard the story a thousand times. Why is it important? I think it's important, and why I want to make this point is I think some of us sometimes live like he's not alive. Because if we really believe that he was alive, he changes everything. If we really believe that Jesus was alive, those fears that I put into things and those, those, those trials that come, I'm like, I know that my king resurrected from the dead. I'm going to be okay. If I really believe that he's been risen. And see, I, I wonder if sometimes what we do is we, we kind of put Jesus in the category of the Easter Bunny Tooth Fairy. You guys know what I'm talking about? Right, like Easter Bunny Tooth Fairy, like, I hope if I lose a tooth, there's going to be money under my pillow. I hope, right? I hope when I come out on the Easter morning, some bunny out there hid some eggs, right? And so we've got this hope that we know, it's like this ambiguous hope. And at the end of the day, we're like, I hope that maybe Jesus, if he's real, is going to come and rescue. Do you guys see what I'm saying? We put Jesus in the wrong category. He's not just hope. We were roaring on this on a Thursday morning for a men's group. He's not just hope. Somebody go home and read 1 Peter chapter 1. Peter calls him my living hope. He says Jesus is a living hope. Now, we did some work on that. We're like, well, why was it important that Jesus called him his living hope? Why did he just say Jesus is our hope? Because it's important that you understand Jesus isn't any hope. He's your living hope who's alive. Hope, you see, we put in a lot of things. We put hope in circumstances. If my life lines up like this, I've got hope. If everything goes the way that I kind of ordered it, we've got hope. If everything goes my way, we've got hope. Let me tell you, how many of you guys have had that kind of hope fail you in your life? Yes and amen. Jesus isn't hope. Jesus is the hope. He's the living hope. There's no hope outside of him. And, and hope has a name. It's Jesus. Amen. This is why Peter says, Jesus is my living hope. This is why we feel stuck at times. I really believe this is, this is why we, we feel stuck at times. We're not looking into an empty tomb. We haven't encountered a living king. We've been hanging on stories and encounters from everybody else. Well, a long time ago, my Sunday school teacher said that Jesus came out of a tomb. So, yeah, okay. You know, my, my, my house church pastor sometimes tells me um, that, that Jesus is risen. I'm like, yeah, okay, I'll buy into that because I'm a Christian, right? No, you can't just buy into that. you got to believe it. There's a faith that rages in you going, it's true. He's alive. He's the resurrected king. It can't just be like, well, maybe he did. That's your whole foundation, that he is alive. Yes and amen? That's what makes Easter Resurrection Sunday so pivotal. Everything hangs in the balance of his life and death. Please, please hear me, church. Everything hangs in this balance. And if he's alive, then you guys, like me, are crazy. And we're saying there's a God of the universe who sent his son to die on a cross, raised on the third day to give us new life. What in the world am I doing? If he's real and he's alive and everything hangs on that and we say he is, yes and amen, then everything changes. On Easter Sunday, everything. John 14, 19, Jesus says these words to his disciples. Soon the world, somebody say the world, will no longer see me, but you will see me. Look what he says. Since I live, you also what? Will live. live. When I am raised to life again, you will know that I am in the Father and you are in me and I am in you. That gives you a living hope today. 
If you're out there and just like, man, life has been whatever and all these things, you have a living hope who's breathing and alive and is coming back for you one day and is in you right now. It's a crazy deal, man. This Christian faith is beautiful. Yes, tough sometimes, but it's beautiful when we understand the implications of the cross and the resurrection. This is it. So let me, let me jump. So almost every time we have an Easter uh, uh, message, we entitle it the same. The last four years, I have seen the Lord. Those five words changed everything. My, my, one of my favorite accounts, again, outside of why you look for the living among the dead, comes from John chapter 20. And in John chapter 20, you see the resurrection account from John's telling. And Mary Magdalene runs down to the tomb. They've discovered the tomb is empty and the body of Jesus is gone. So while everybody else runs back, you see Mary in this moment like, ah, like I don't know what to do, right? Angel Lord appears and she turns and she sees a guy that looks like a gardener. <laughs> oh, but it's not a gardener, amen? Because Jesus is gardening our heart, but it's not just a gardener. She turns and she thinks somebody is a gardener and then he turns, I love that, and she realizes it's Jesus. And her first response isn't, oh my gosh, Jesus, are you a ghost? Oh my gosh, Jesus, what just happened? Her first response when she sees the live and resurrected king is to run and cling to his feet. Whew, that should tell us something right there. The best thing that we can do is run and cling to his feet, amen? Oh, but Jesus has some words. I love this. I, it's just really funny. He says, woman, do not cling to me, right? <laughs> I don't, I, I just found that interesting. <laughs> woman, do not cling to me. It's not that he was not loving what she did. He loves the fact that she's running to him, but there was still work to be done. Everybody needed to know this message that he's alive. Everybody needed to know this message. He's not, he's not in the tomb any longer, amen? So he says, woman, don't cling to me. Run back and tell my brothers that I have risen from the grave. So Mary runs back and shares these words. And here's what's fascinating about John chapter 20, Mary's words. She doesn't run back and say, okay, I gotta tell you this whole story. So it was crazy, right? Angel, the Lord comes, earthquake, stone rolls. I see, you know, the, she didn't go through the whole story. None of that was important to her. The, 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 all the, the stuff, she, she had one thing that was important to her, the one thing that she runs back, she's like, I have seen the Lord. Boom, everything's changed, everything. In that moment, the details didn't matter. She didn't need to say, and so here's how it happened, and all these things came. She just needed to declare, I've seen him. He's alive. He's alive. They all run down there, and Jesus ends up having an encounter with them. I'm telling you guys, when she opened her mouth, she shared the first gospel, the thing that gets our hearts. He's alive, and I've seen him. He's alive, and I've seen him. I don't... I, don't, I haven't met a lot of famous people in my life. I don't get to meet a lot of famous. I met Garth Brooks once. That was awesome, right? I, until Jesus, I've never met a dead man who's raised from the grave. I'm telling you, church, this, this is a profound moment. Mary and the 500 who would see him and Paul they all felt the same way. We've seen him. We've felt him. We've encountered him story after story after story. The first church would share for 2,000 years today, even today, the church has shared for 2,000 years the story of testimonies of how they've encountered the Lord, how, he's, how they've encountered the Lord, how they've seen the Lord. It's why today we gather in churches because the testimony is he's alive and he's real and he's still running strong. 
when you encounter him. Listen, when you encounter him, it's not just good theology. When you encounter him, he becomes your theology. Jesus is who makes your theology. We get all the heart and head knowledge, all the head knowledge in the world. We can gain all the information and be like, I can tell you all the different whatever, whatever scripture. But at the end of the day, until we encounter him, it's just theology. But when we encounter him, it becomes real living and breathing. This is why it's so important that we don't just live off of this information overload. We need an encounter with him. This is why Jesus is going to tell the church in Revelation and Ephesus, go back to your first love again. Good, good job. All these things, yeah, 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 yeah. Go back to your first love. Encounter him. See him. See that the tomb is empty. Uh, amen? amen? Yeah. <laughs> okay, so he's alive. Amen. Secondly, if he's alive, then you are free. Say, I'm free. I'm free. I'm free. If, if he is alive, then, then what he's doing is he's setting us free, he set us free, he's setting us free, and he's coming back again. It's a process that we're going, he has set us free, he has, you've been set free. Whom the, spirit, whom the son sets free is free indeed. And he's coming back again, and he's freeing us. I'm telling you, it's a already and coming again. And, and so he set us free, and here's what he's setting us free in. He is restoring us back to the way things were supposed to be. How many of you guys know that God is a God of order? In Genesis, we see the world was in chaos, darkness, void. It was in chaos. God speaks order and things start to come. Light comes and things start to form. He speaks in Genesis and there's order. Then we sin, order is broken. Jesus comes on the cross in the resurrection, death and resurrection, and he reorders our life again. He's like, you don't belong to the world anymore, you belong to me. You don't belong to the systems of the world anymore, you belong to me. You don't belong as king of your heart anymore, I'm gonna be king on your heart. He's reordering our hearts, amen, Church. This is how things are supposed to be. And so Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 20, in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, Adam sinned, death came, so also the, uh, by a man the resurrection comes from the dead. Talking about Jesus. For as in Adam all die, right? We die. Outwardly we're what? Wasting away, so also in Christ shall all be what? Made alive. Notice that he just says, doesn't say just say living. Notice, notice this is big words here, that in Christ we're all just living now. No, 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 he says we're being made alive. Look, we can be living and not feel alive, amen? You can be walking and not feel alive. One of the men on our ski trip said, I feel like I'm a dead man walking inside. Man, there was an encounter he had with the Lord and God began to fuel him. He's a different man today. But this is why you can be living and not yet feel alive. And so he says, Paul says right here, in Christ shall we be made alive. He's making you alive. I quoted the scripture verse. Outwardly we're what? Wasting away. Inwardly we're what? Being renewed day by day. You're being made alive. Anybody feel like you're wasting away outwardly? If you're a man over 40, get your darn hand up right now. <laughs> We're wasting away, man. But inwardly, Jesus is doing something in us. When everything is going against us, when we feel like everything's warring against us and we're getting news and it's not good and all these things are happening and yet inwardly we still have this living hope going, you're gonna be okay. It's what gives us hope. 
why Romans 8.31 says, In all things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Look, what he's trying to say is this. If I'm free because Jesus is alive, he's trying to say, like, you're a conqueror. But he can't come up with a word of, like, what's, what's bigger than a conqueror? More than, right? So he's like, you're more than a conqueror. The things that we war with, you're more than a victor over those things. Jesus comes in and he reorders our life and he gives us victory. He says we're more than conquerors and he sets us free. And if that's true, then your testimony matters. Look, look, so he's alive. He's alive. Baseline, Christian, he's alive. And if he's alive, then he came to set you free. And if he came to set you free, your testimony matters. A testimony is an encounter. If you go to court right now, and you have to give a testimony. You're basically saying, like in some way, you saw it, you felt it, you heard it, you, you experienced it, you tasted it. You're giving a testimony of some kind of encounter. This is why in scripture where it says people that had been with Jesus, it was evident. I love in the book of Acts, it says, they took note that these men had been with Jesus. There was a different aroma with these men. There was a different smell. They're like, these guys are not like everybody else. Something's going on with these guys. When the first church was birthed and they're roaring in a kingdom, which was Rome, that was trying to break them and, and, and destroy them and everything else, people were saying, there's something different about these people. And this is what it looks like when we've been with Jesus and encountered him. There's something different. There's something different going on. Testimonies. To me, testimonies, the word of God and, and testimonies are the best way to talk about the Easter story. If Jesus never died, there would be no resurrection. And if there was no resurrection, there would be no life, and especially no new life. And if there was no new life, then all of us are hopeless. But praise the Lord, he has risen. And then you say he has risen indeed. Okay, see, you see what we did there? Come on. He is risen indeed, and it comes, you know it, you believe it, it comes from within, you're like, I know he has. I know he has. You see, your testimony matters. This is why it says, Christ in me, the hope of glory. Jesus comes in and he renews it. He, he, I'm telling you, all, all in this room, you have a testimony. For 2,000 years, men and women have been sharing their testimonies of how they encountered the Lord. And it's just been passed on from generation to generation. Word of God and how they've encountered the Lord. And what we see today is even now, we're passing testimonies on. I want you to hear these testimonies of these men and this woman who've encountered the Lord and how they've seen him. In 2019, I came to the darkest part of my life. Um, in October, I, I made an attempt on my life. I honestly felt like I didn't belong at home, that my kids didn't want me there because things were so miserable at work. I wasn't a good person at the time. I was angry. I was angry that we were here in Wichita. I was angry I lost my job. I was trying to control the situation and what I thought was best for us was gone. It, what I considered was ripped away from us and I was bitter, I was angry. And then the loss of my dad, my wife, I just, she was, I didn't know if she wanted me home. I didn't know she was, she was dealing with anxiety and depression. Everything, Satan was just screaming, 
Nobody wants you around. You're worthless. You're failing in everything. When I told my two oldest kids this part of my testimony, I was scared to death how they would receive that. The way they received that was they hugged me and they told me they loved me. That was the love of Jesus for me. That's how much he loves us. That's how I see how Jesus loves me. God tells me every day that I am loved. He shows me every day I'm loved. When I wake up and I see my kids and they love on me, um, my wife the way she loves me, um, the simple fact that I'm still here and that I get a chance to raise my kids and I get a chance to be a husband to my wife. My life is so valuable. Back in March, I went to my very first women's retreat, and um, it was an obedient unto the Lord when I said yes. It was one of those things that I wasn't sure of, but yet I knew God wanted that yes because of my obedient obedience to that. I feel that uh, God showed me that there's more. I believe the stirring that is in my spirit has has become. Has, it started. Uh, my husband had got sick with COVID, and I wasn't the one that was actually obedient to what I was supposed to do in times like this. That was my awakening for me, and I knew that I needed to stand up and be the woman of God that he has called me to be. He told me I was his daughter and I was to walk in truth and love and to seek him. And I knew that the closer I got to him, my yes to the Lord has meant a lot to me. He has filled me with so much love. He has filled me with his joy and his peace. And I found myself one morning when um, my husband and I were having devotions and I found myself crying because what I feel, I, I, I just wept and I told my husband, I never ever want to lose what I feel, what God has put inside of my spirit, and my heart, I never ever want to let him go. I was a pastor for about 20 years and here locally and a lot of those times were amazing and great, um, but the, the last uh, few years uh, just proved to be very taxing and trying and uh, just really did a number on me. Ended up getting invited to go on the ski trip uh, just a few months ago. Aaron, before we left, had asked me if I would share my testimony. And initially I said, absolutely not, not ready for that. Because uh, really I didn't think I had a testimony. and. Uh, just came to the place where, man, I, I don't necessarily need to have the victory yet, but just share where I'm at in the journey. And even if I'm not, you know, out of the, the deep, dark hole, that maybe that's okay. So 
So we're up there in the mountains and it came time where I'm supposed to, to share in front of, you know, 66 guys that I don't know and tell them, you know, the, the deepest, most disparaging place that I've ever been in my life. And, and so I thought, well, I, what have I got myself into over the past few years that I had had some dark thoughts come into my, my mind and, and a lot of doubts that had surfaced pertaining to my faith, pertaining to who I, who I was. And, um, and these, these just were lies that just started to get planted slowly but surely, it seemed like on a daily basis. And I can remember waking up and just not feeling myself and just, it was just like darkness was kind of settling in and just continually causing me to, to not really be excited about life. Um, really just trying, life felt more like misery. It felt like I, just something to, to try to get through another day. And it was all I could do to, to just get through you know, the daily grind of being around people. And I'm a, I love people. <laughs> uh, and I just got to the place where I didn't even want to talk to people. I didn't want to be confronted with people. And I'd get home and I just want to escape to my room and turn the lights off and try to go to sleep as quick as I could so that the day could be over. And it just progressively got worse uh, to the point to where I got to the place ultimately where I, I was just thinking, I don't even know if I want to be here. I really don't even know if I want to live. I just want the pain to stop. I want to quit hurting the people that I care about most, which is my kids and my wife. And, but I was actually convinced, like the enemy had me convinced that they would be better off without me. And, you know, as I shared that with these men up in Colorado, the thing that was most difficult about that was My two boys, Caleb and Caden, were sitting. I listened to their dad talk about wanting to be gone, like wanting to check out, wanting to give up. And, and I, something that I, I'm not proud of that at all. And I wish that wasn't maybe my story, I guess, in some ways, but but just the way that everyone responded in that moment and the way that God met me in that moment. And there was just this pull. He just, he just kept pulling me for weeks before even the trip. I just kept hearing this surrender, just surrender. Like I would just be asking, God, why is life so hard? Why is this gotta be so tough? Like I'm trying so hard, I'm trying so hard, I'm trying so hard. He's like, stop trying, just surrender. And it wasn't until I shared this in front of these men, in front of my sons, that I realized what surrender even looked like. And that if these men could hear this, this pathetic story, this, this story of just sheer brokenness and respond with nothing but tears and embraces and encouragement, and it was the next night um, the whole next day, I just, I just, I like had a renewed sense for life, a new sense for 
um, I just felt like the weights lifted off. And that next night, I remember Aaron, he, he said something that would have normally scared me to death. And he said, and some of you, some of you just need to, to trust in God and, and you want to surrender your life uh, to the Lord. And he said, and, and you need the spirit and you need to be baptized in the spirit. And that phrase, baptized in the spirit, I would have just thought, oh my goodness, this is just weird wacko talk. Um, but I'm actually looking forward to having that a part of my future. And, and so for me, this is the place where I just had no other response than to hit the ground. Like, I knew, beyond a shadow of a doubt, I had not surrendered my life. I had decided to serve God with my life, but I was doing that in my own power and my own strength. I was not relying on the Spirit's power. And, and I knew in that moment that I was done. I was done trying to do it on my own. I was done trying to lift myself out of the muck and the mire and the lies and my only response was to hit the ground and when I hit the ground the love of God just pounced me <laughs> and and he did not leave me crushed into the ground but I felt him lift me up and just hold me and just love me and not, not every day since then has been that intensity of an embrace with God, but I know still that he's in me. I know that he's in me and I know that he's with me and I know that I am still trusting in him because even on the worst days, I realize God doesn't owe me anything. He's already, he's already done plenty for me on the cross. He's already done plenty for me in giving me new life in his raised life. And that, if he doesn't give me anything for the rest of my life, that's deserving enough to serve him and to give my life to him. It's crazy, I'm like mid 40s and, and maybe finally just now figuring out what God wanted with me all along. And that's just to be in relationship with him. Come on, amen. Aaron Cheney and Rosa and Cody, they've seen the Lord. of us in here have testimonies that you probably resonate a little bit. Maybe yours is a bit different. But the Lord tells us in Revelation 21.5, and the one seated on the throne says, Behold, I make all things new. Paul tells us being confident of this, that he who began a work will finish it to completion. That was the first time today um, at the 8 o'clock service and the 9.30 now, this one, where I actually got to watch <clears throat> that testimony all put together. I didn't get to see it before, saw bits and pieces. But the Lord just hit me with something as we were watching it in each service. And there was this common theme, um, and the common theme over and over and over was, first of all, that the love of Christ found them. I don't know if you saw that, but every one of them just talked about how they felt the love of Jesus. And we know Paul says 
that the love of Christ compels us? He says, if we seem crazy, some of y'all like, sometimes y'all look crazy. He says, if we seem crazy and out of our mind, he says, it's the love of Christ. It compels us. I just have this desire. I know we, our team, I know our leaders, I know our prayer team has had this desire that you would just encounter the love of Jesus today. This is what Easter does, man. It takes the blindfold off. It says the veil, the veil is lifted. Jesus came and he lifted the veil. And that veil, man, is like it's a covering and that covering makes it feel like I can't see. Jesus came and took the veil off and, and it's so that we can behold him. It's so that we can see him. And this is why the enemy works so hard in your life to try to get you to not see Jesus, not see him in your circumstances, not see him in your marriage, not see him in your family, not see him in your singleness, not see him in the difficult moments of your life. Like the enemy wants to try to blind you because he knows, like he knows, he knows when you see the Lord, it's over for the enemy. And so as we were listening to this at the first two, the Lord just tried to change changed our direction and that was the second thing number one they said that that they felt the love of the Lord hit them but then if you listen to the testimony there was a lot of darkness warring against them and we know that if Jesus is life then Satan's death and if Jesus is victory the enemy is defeat and if Jesus is love then the enemy doesn't want you to feel loved. And so I just, in my heart, I feel like we're supposed to pray on this Easter Sunday for people who feel like there's a spirit of death over you. And when I say death, I'm not just talking about physically. Maybe that's you. Maybe you're like, I was the guy who wanted to check out. I was the gal who wanted to check out. I pray like we're supposed to pray that, but it could be death, like the enemy has spoken death over your marriage, the enemy has spoken death over your mind, you're, you're just going to be stuck there forever, and so if you feel like you've got that, I want to pray over you, if you feel like you just simply have been defeated, and remember, if, if the enemy is speaking defeat over you, what are you? You're more than what? You're more than a conqueror. Of course he's waging war so that you feel defeated. Of course he wants you to feel defeated because he knows the truth is you have victory. And so if you feel like death is on you and, and, and that's just your life, your family, your marriage, whatever, your mind, your heart, physically, if you feel like you've been walking in defeat and you just can't get out, maybe you just feel like, I want to know this love. I just want to know this love. This love that you talk about, this love that you sing about, this love that we read about, I just want to know it. We want to pray over you today. Some of you in this room, you need to stand, and we're going to have you stand, we're going to pray over you. Some of you may stand today because you want to break a generational thing off of your family. There's been generational things in your family, and you, Scripture would call it a generational curse. There's this thing where, man, I struggle with this, my kids struggle with this, my grandparents struggle with this. We've had this mindset, my kids have this mindset, and you just say, I'm done with it. You want to stand. What I'm going to ask you to do is, would you close your eyes?
But everybody in the house, just close their eyes. We don't, when you pray, you don't have to do that. But just we just want to honor those that, that feel this tug. If you feel like there has been a spirit of death just over your heart, your mind, your marriage, your family, your single, like you, in your singleness, you're like, I feel death. I'm going to ask you to stand. If you feel like you have been defeated and you have no victory in your life and you have been warring and you're just like, God, I can't go another step because I feel so defeated and the enemy has blinded me to victory, then you want victory today. And you feel like you need love. You just want to see his love. If you just want to see his love today, I'm going to invite you to stand. And then finally, if you just feel like there's this generational thing that's been passed on in your family, and you say, no more, we want to sever this generational curse of death and defeat and mindset, I'm going to invite you to stand. I just want to pray over you. Father, what better day, what better day than on Easter Sunday? And I know every day is Easter Sunday. But what better day than to see a bunch of men and women set free because the tomb is empty. And so, Father, I pray right now in Jesus' name, I pray for life where they felt death. I pray for life where death has creeped in. Death in the physical, death in the spiritual, death in the marriage, death in the family, death over their mindset, where death has creeped in. Father, we speak life because your life, the enemy's been defeated. The grave could not hold you. That's what your word said. The grave could never hold you. I pray, Father, for those in the house right now that are warring for victory and all they feel like is defeat comes upon them. Today is the day of victory. Today is the day of victory, Jesus, because your word is true and you are true and you're victorious. And so, Father, we pray in your name that they would be filled with victory in this house today. For those who don't feel loved, I pray that today they would say, I have seen the Lord. I have seen the Lord and He just loved me. That's it. He just loved me. And for those that are standing, God, for the generational curse, the generational thing that's been passed on from generation to generation, today we separate, we, we, sep we separate the generational curse. Today we sever the generational curse. We say, Father, that it's not going to be passed on from generation to generation, but what will be passed on from generation to generation is the love of Christ. What will be passed on from generation to generation is that our kids, will grow up to learn that you are alive, that you set us free, that you love us, and that our testimony matters. Today, God, we will pass on to
to the next generation the things that are of you. God, where the enemy has blinded us, our eyes are now open. Father, where we were once hiding, like Adam and Eve did, they hid. When they sinned against the Lord, they hid. And you cried out, Adam, where are you? And he said, I was hiding. It's the first time man was hiding from the Lord. Adam was hiding because of shame, but at the tomb that's empty, there's no more hiding because it's at the empty tomb that we've been found. It's at the empty tomb that we've been redeemed. It's at the empty tomb that your love penetrated our hearts. And so God, there's no more hiding from you. A bunch of free men and women are in this house today, and we declare no more death, no more defeat, but we have life and we have victory. No more unlovable hearts because we have lovable hearts because you said that we're lovable. And so Jesus, today we give glory, we give honor, and we give victory to you in this house. Somebody say amen. Thank you so much for tuning in for today's word. We hope that it continues to encourage you and bless you as you go about your day to day. And until then, we will see you next Sunday. Have a great week.